Well, hello everyone. It's the Creative Floor 2019 podcast. It's the first one in over a year, and um, we're extremely lucky today because we have an exclusive, I believe. Um, we're going to be talking about the rise and rise of Tim Jones, Area 23's new group creative director. And joining me is internet sensation Ryan Warman, <laughs> Dr. Draper. Hi, Ryan. Hello, how are you going? I uh, can't help but laugh there, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I think you've got more Twitter followers than anyone in our industry, so you know that's internet sensation. Uh, wow! Uh, what do I? What do I win? Um, I don't know. Kudos, right? That's <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, a bit. Tough. <laughs> we could always ask Can to open an entry for you if you want. The most amount of Twitter followers. <laughs> well, they need to give me that one for you. So, yeah, yeah. Cheers. I love you that one for you. Thanks. And we got the man himself. We got the man himself. Hello, Tim. Hello, everyone. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really, really good. good. So um, thanks for joining us today. I, I suppose um, shoes on the other foot today because you're normally interviewing and chatting to lots of other people. Um, so it's quite nice for you to be in the hot seat now. And we'll, um, we'll start grilling you a little bit. I'm not used to it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I just want to firstly congratulate you for for the for the role for the new role at Area Twenty Three that you haven't quite started yet. But what what an amazing amazing opportunity, and I couldn't have been happier and more scared for you. I think because it's 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 probably the hottest agency right now in our industry, and it's um it's an incredible role. But before we get to that. I think it'd be really amazing for a lot of people, as well as myself, actually, and, and maybe Ryan, to know how, how it all started right from the very beginning. All right. Well, um, I, was, I was born in... Um, no, I'm joking. I won't go that far. Um. <laughs> actually, how, how old are you? How old are you? I'm, I'm, you don't mind I'm 30. 30? Oh, my God. Yeah. So you literally, you literally were born. Yeah like last week pretty much <laughs> yeah. 87 and, and you, didn't, you didn't tell me that <laughs> cancel the show <laughs> no see this this is this, this, this is the point because yeah. you know i i mean you you looked very young yeah you looked very no, young but you. i didn't realize how young mm. so um let's okay let's start from from birth then you're born oh, well i was born in south africa as you can probably tell by this um unfortunate accent um and I studied at the um, Nelson Mandela University, um, and and you know it was it was one of those things. You now I, I couldn't afford to go. Um, you know, my, my family we weren't that we weren't that wealthy, um, and somehow I managed to get a bursary um, just for the first year. So it was a one year only. Uh, what were you studying? So I studied um, uh, art and design um, at the faculty of okay. at the faculty of arts. Um, and yeah. in the first year, it's it's great. It's kind of like an introductory course. So you do a whole array of subjects: you do sculpture, photography, printmaking, design, um, and you you kind of suss out where you want to go. Um, so that was a really really great year because you kind of you get to touch on so many different subjects, you know, um, um, which was great. Yeah. You know, I, I spent the year really absorbing every sort of medium. Um, realizing that I'm shit at photography, realizing that you know I can draw better than I can paint, you know, it's, it's just it's just good to put born an art director, yeah. born an art director. Yeah, yeah. well, take, yeah. yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, at the end of that year, it was you know I was I was like, well, that was great, you know, thank you, thank you for uh, for letting me come, letting me come, but there's no fucking way I can afford another year, so I was kind of on my yeah. on my way out and. Um, I was lucky enough to, we had an end of year exhibition and um, 
the biggest ad agency in the town at, at, at that time was, was, was an agency called Boomtown. Um, oh. And the credit director of that agency came, came over um, and my lecturer obviously said to him, he said, look, you know, Tim is broke. <laughs> he needs some help. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and <laughs> basically I sat, I just sat in the corner with my hands cupped, you know, with the little hats at the bottom, <laughs> just begging for my, please, please, please let me study art. No. Um, anyway, he, you know, very, very fortunately, he gave me a bursary. Um, so Boomtown kind of sponsored me to, to finish my, my studies in design. Oh, wow. So, um, amazing. Uh, you know, absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I repaid them. I went back to, I, I worked for them um, for, for many years. In fact, the, the probably the best moment of my career was, you know, helping Boomtown win their first like major international award, which was, it was crazy. You know, some small little agency in the, in the middle of nowhere and, you know, winning at Clio and Cannes, it was just like, wow, you know. Wow. And what was it for? What did, what was the campaign? Uh, so it was for a, um, it was for my first healthcare brief, actually, for um, Africa Health Placements. Um so Afri- Africa Health Placements is a charity in Africa that do um, they recruit doctors internationally to come and work in Africa. And um, we did a direct mail piece, which was a stethoscope, the world's first stethoscope radio ad. Um, oh, that one! Yeah, <laughs> I've heard about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I'll tell you what. You know, in terms of. You know, because it was such a small agency, we came up with that idea and I was like, this is great. You know, we have to make this. And um, the production lady, she was like, God bless her. She was like, there's no fucking way. We can't. Yeah, impossible. So I was like, it needs to. So basically the idea is a doctor gets this box and there's a little circle that says place stethoscope here. And when they do, the pressure from the stethoscope activates um, uh, a really low frequency MP3, which can't be heard by the normal ear, but only heard via the stethoscope. So it's kind of like a direct, you know, radio ad right into yeah. um, to the doctor's ears. Anyway, so she was like, it's impossible. Get over it. You're not going to make it. So I was like, no, you know, <laughs> we're going to make this thing. And, uh, you know, it took me and my, my writer at the time, Gary Welsh. Um, it took us about three months just sourcing the tech, building it in a, you know, in a warehouse, trying to make it work. And when the first prototype came back, I remember him and I were in reception. We were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, let's, let's test it out, you know, with our stethoscopes. And we played it. We were both like, you know, it was really emotional. We were like, oh, we, we did it. <laughs> you know, like we, like we wow. had, you know, cracked the code for some sort of <laughs> really yeah, serious wow. thing. So, yeah, really great, great moment that actually. I'll never forget that. And how old are you then? Um, I was, oh, I must have been about 12. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I think I think I was tw- 20, 22, 23, You know, so quite okay, cool. quite young. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and Andrew McKenzie, um, the creative director from Boomtown. You know, he is my absolute the nicest guy ever. But also, you know, so lucky to have met him. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I keep in touch with him all the time. He's kind of like my my anchor. You know, he just reminds me of where I came from, and you know keeps me grounded yeah. and you know gave me opportunities and he is a massive advocate for um he's he he initiated this bursary program and i think i was the first person um but basically it's for people from disadvantaged backgrounds to get their first job in advertising in south africa so um you know he, he's doing great work in in, in south africa so yeah, massive shout out to andrew um so what's he doing what, what's he doing currently so, so currently he's now the md of boomtown and um they have, uh, true to their name, they have absolutely blown up. Um, they have offices in Cape Town, Johannesburg, um, 
you know major international clients when i was there we we, we pitched you know we, we pitched our our hearts out and we, we won loads so we we won a load of beer accounts for them um castle milk stout um south african breweries so you know they, they they're doing really well so um I'm, I'm proud to be part of that that little story so from there i went to i decided to pack all my stuff up which you'll notice will become a theme just pack everything up, move my whole family uh, to another city and uh, start again. So that's when I decided to move to Cape Town and um, I work. So who, when you say family, who's your family uh, at, the, at this moment? So at the moment, I've got my missus. Um, she is uh, Candice. She is an architect by trade. Um, she's the, oh, wow. the the brains and beauty of this operation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I have a, um, a six-year-old son named Cooper. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah. So you will move. So you will move to Cape Town now. Now you're in Cape Town. So, so now we're in Cape Town. We packed all our shit into our car, um, yeah. including the dog. Drove down, um, and we were like, "Oh my god, yeah, we're going to start again." Um, and and we did. And I, I worked at an agency at the time. They called um, Bester Burke, which sadly is um, it's closed down now. Um, but it was run by a South African ad legend. I don't know if you know um, Stephen Burke. Uh, he he is you know he's a radio god so basically when you walked into his office it was just filled grand prix you know london international awards can grand prix you know just fucking and he and all for his radio work you know he was an absolute audio master um and you know learned so much from him um and then yeah you know from there we kind of we actually we moved back to port elizabeth for a little bit um funnily enough um just to to have some quiet time because the agency was was it was just getting a bit too intense you know what a great place honestly that agency was just you know we were the underdogs of Cape Town you know there were massive agencies yeah. Ogilvy's and and we were you know, year on year we were doing work you know I, that's where I won my first um, can line actually for a print a print campaign we did for Yardley um, yeah what was that so it was a well the brief was um, you know Yardley pimple uh, it was called Spotbuster. Yeah, um, and the client wanted this. The brief on my desk was: we need a, a close-up of a face with some technology, you know, some three D renderings of some fucking uh, skin cells or whatever, and talk about mm. talk about the pimple cream, you know, quite rationally. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. So um, I worked with a copywriter at the time there called Oscar Petty, and um, we came up with this campaign, which was basically the idea was um, that beautiful landscapes uh, ruined by a single blemish. So, uh, so we had these really pristine, like win- winterscape, and then all of a sudden, in, in the middle, of floating in the water is a red coke can, and your eye kind of just your eye goes straight to that, yeah. and it was yeah. the the smallest blemish can ruin everything, you know, which was yeah. I remember that; it was really sweet. Oh, cool. really sweet. Oh, thanks. I remember that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so you go back to so you go so you go back to Boomtown, yeah. and and um. And then you said you went to Langland. So how, talk to us about that, because that, that's that sounds really Big. mad. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. So, so that was another one. Um, we I entered a, a competition in South Africa to uh, the young the young lions, you know, the, the can young lions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for some reason, I won, um, and I managed to secure a, a place at the Young Creative Academy in Cannes. Uh, oh, amazing so it was honestly that was that changed my whole perspective in life you know that it was the first time i'd been on an airplane to an international territory so i was you know completely out of my bed wow. um, and really 
Yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, sort of like a caveman, and it, on the plane, I was like, oh my god, what is this? What is what is this? You know, um, baby caveman, yeah. emerging, <laughs> blinking, blinking uh, into the light. Yeah, yeah. and then um, yeah, everyone in this country, everyone in Cannes spoke a weird language, you know, because really, I was used to Kosa and Zulu and Swahili. I wasn't used to French, you know, so it was, it was a, that was a great learning experience. And um, yeah, I, I got I got to you know spend time with bob isherwood at the creative academy and um oh wow yeah it was, god really yeah yeah he was my mentor and then um, you know honestly you know talk about opportunities I, I was like a sponge you know i just took what was he like then what because he's a he's a he's a big 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 name isn't oh, he what was he like oh, honestly he was extremely inspiring and just you know every because he he brought in all these guest lecturers you know to to, to the class so we had uh, you know um, oh God! Who do we have? We had fucking, we had everyone. We had Bob Greenberg. We had um, Graham Fink. Um, you know Mark Tutzel. So Ralph Van Dyke. Oh my God! So I was like, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, you know, oh, massive masterclass. masterclass. Honestly, yeah. masterclass. And um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he was super inspiring. And every, every time I every time I see him, actually, I saw him at London International Awards. So I was judging um, last year, and. He, he he saw me. He was like, I, I saw you on the jury list, and I just wanted to come and say, you know, massive congrats. You know, <laughs> one, one minute I'm, I'm teaching in class, <laughs> the next yeah. minute you're judging. So that that was a really great moment, you know, just to kind of. That's where he remembered you as well. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. His daughter's in the industry now. Oh really? Yeah, I used to I used to mentor her at uh, college years ago. She's um yeah, it's running in the family. So. Uh, yeah, amazing. Okay, cool. So, what year was that? So, so that was tw- that must have been twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Because, so when I was there, the, uh, the campaign I did one at um, Lions Health, one of the I think it was the inaugural Lions Health, and off, I went on stage to pick up the award, and then off in the at the after party, um, that's kind of where I met Andrew Spurgeon. Um, oh, I see. And, and then he was like, "Oh, you know, um, do you, you want to come?" live in England so I was like oh that's yeah. <laughs> that's a chat up line if I've ever heard <laughs> yeah, one yeah. I, yeah. He, he said it in a more succinct way <laughs> do wanna, he said do you want to live at my house <laughs> young man yeah. young man yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. you there wow. you there come and live at my house in England <laughs> you boy yeah, yeah. yes wow. yes daddy <laughs> 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 oh brilliant so yeah so that's how i met spurge and he offered me this job uh, near, in, and 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 had you heard of um yeah. langland beforehand at, or at, similar to you never fucking heard of them didn't even know what health right what healthcare was i thought wow that's you know that's interesting could be could be something cool it could be shit you know who knows let me just try it out so um only only after i was there and i kind of realized the, the magnitude and the you know the how much they were dominating the industry, and uh, you know they were. So that was the first year at Can Health, was it? It must have been, yeah, yeah. And it okay, must have been. okay. Yeah. Which would have been 2015, I think. No, I think that was 14. Was it? Oh, well, anyway, around then. Were you, were you but, judging but so you genuinely? So, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, but Spurge definitely was. But okay. but so you genuinely hadn't heard anything about the healthcare. You know, industry and the and, and but you just went, yeah, I'll go there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> is well, that it? 
<laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> I was like, you know, we had just done that that stethoscope campaign. I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of easy to do healthcare. <laughs> little did I know. Little did I fucking know. That was unregulated, <laughs> direct to public. Wasn't going to get that again. Uh, so yeah, it was um, naively, naively. I got into the industry like that, and and I'm and a, I'm so glad. It's a beautiful, my life. It's a beautiful naivety. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I like, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So so what so what happened? So you left Cannes, you went back to South Africa, and then what? Um, how long was it between that um, period and, and actually moving over to Windsor? So it was quite quick actually. I got home and I said to my I said to my fiance at the time, Candice, I was like we're moving, <laughs> you know, we are, we, we're going to, you know, we're going to England, we're going to live near the queen in the castle. Um, it's going to, yeah. it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> and, um, so it was, it must've been about two months. Um, I kind of, oh, wow. did you have any, any interviews with anyone else in between that? No, period? no not at all. I, I accepted the job, um, in a drunken state and can came back. I, I, <laughs> wow. I spoke to Andrew, you know, McKen- my other Andrew. God, there's lots of Andrews in my career, actually. Anyway, uh, I spoke to Andrew McKenzie and he was like, you have to do it, you know, which is just, again, kudos. To, you know, he's, he's one of those people who just wants the best, you know, for his creatives. And, um, Amazing. and uh, yeah, it's, that's when I, you know, we all packed up and moved. We shipped our dog over, you know, which, which was, which was a pain in the ass, but, you know, she's here with us yeah. now. And I'm, I'm sure I always wonder this actually, because she's, you know, we got a cocker spaniel, and um, she's South African. You know, born in South Africa, born in Cape Town, and uh, I always wonder when, when I take her to the park. She's got a South African accent or something. Yeah, <laughs> she's fully South African. Honestly, when I take her to the park and the other dogs look at her strange, I'm like, I wonder if they know when she barks. She's got this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at that! Look at that yappy! Yeah, yeah. So, did you move to Windsor, or did you were you out? Were you in London? Where did you Where did you move? So, I moved to I moved to Windsor. Um, would, okay. Yeah, which in in hindsight probably not the best move because you know the rent was so expensive. Oh my god, it was you know I took my salary and eighty uh, percent of it went to rent. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. A- actually, that, that's a that's a that's another point because I at Boomtown at the time I was a, a creative group head, um, and the position that Andrew was offering me was just a sort of midweight art director. So it was you know quite a few tiers down. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, you know. I, I'm obviously I'm I'm going backwards in my career, but the opportunities are more, you know. So I'm I'm so glad I I, I still went because you know the experiences at Langland far outweighed the little bit of extra yeah, extra of money that I was getting at at Boomtown. I know it, they were at the height, I guess, as well because they just come back from Cannes, dominated the show, um, won a hell of a lot of award. I, you know, this was before the dominance, I guess, of of Area Twenty Three and McCann Health as a network, and you know Langland were. It, undoubtedly the number one agency in 2014 in healthcare so I suppose did you feel I mean again I, I guess because you had no idea about health care you had not much of an idea of who Langland were other than they'd probably done very well at can so what was it like walking through the door on the first day well that was crazy I mean I walked into the reception and you know the whole front area i mean you, you you know those those are probably all your wards actually shaheed um it was it was covered you know you could you couldn't you couldn't even see the wall behind it was absolutely flooded with the warts and i was like oh shit you know 
<laughs> taxi, taxi, taxi. Hiya, back home. Thank you very much. Send <laughs> that dog back. Fuck us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, so it was. You know, the the pressure was really on then, but it was it was. Oh, I, I love the pressure. You know, fuck it. That that makes it exciting. You know, because otherwise you're just kind of coasting along with boring briefs, um, doing yeah. doing average work. This this was, you know great opportunity the the briefs were out of this world you know i was i was like a, i was i was so happy so the the first brief a- andrew and the team were they were actually pitching on a on a on a um a, a home testing std kit that was what they told me um oh yeah which is pretty handy actually if you if you want to avoid uh, the embarrassment of going into a gum clinic uh, and uh, you know yeah. shouting out uh, you know across a waiting room uh, mr jones for the uh, gonorrhea test you know what i mean so <laughs> so <laughs> this um this home testing kit was was a great brief and um so he, he sent it over and i kind of got thinking on the plane and um they were pitching on the monday so it was quite quite a quick turnaround and he was like if you've got any ideas we can throw them in you know if they're good and um yeah, when I landed, I worked with a with my copyright at the time, um, Julia, and we we came up with a outrageous idea to create a fictional mockumentary series called the STI Detection Unit, which um, yeah. which was a, a group of uh, sniffer dogs that were trained to sniff out uh, sniff people's crotches for STDs, <laughs> yeah. which was hilarious at the time. And I thought, God, Spurge is going to send me right back. He's going to go, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, this, this is quite a good segue from the conversation you had with him in can i think yeah. i think this is a this, this is meant to be <laughs> yeah so so i hesit we hesitantly presented this work and i was like oh my god you know what is he gonna i was like we open on a scene with a dog sniffing a crotch <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was just like you know he just kind of smiled and and you know after we presented the idea he was like it's great let's do it so you know in, in classic Spurge style, you know, we spent a few days crafting it up and getting the presentation ready. And lo and behold, um, the client bought into that idea and they won the pitch. And we ended up making that thing, which was my first brief, first job um, at Lagnet, which was honestly yeah. amazing. <laughs> and and it's, it's a fantastic campaign. And, I, and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has seen it because it's been all over the every award show and it's won everything and if you haven't seen it i know you could probably go into langland's homepage. i think it's the first or second case study on there and it is absolutely fantastic when you were working on that brief was it the only idea that went into the pitch or were there a couple of others that were in contention too no there were there were there were loads of others i think ours was one of three okay. or four and um, and they chose the one but you know it was one of those things where you never expect a client to buy into such a crazy idea, but then yeah. you never expect the client to pay for the production of said idea, you know, and, and yeah. spend, I mean, we, we worked with um, two uh, directors in London, um, Lucy Forbes and Andrew Chaplin um, from Hungry Man. And, uh, you know, they were comedy writers at the time and it was just, you know, it was like a dream come true. You know, I was in Soho and I was like, you know, I've never been to London and I was walking around Soho going, I've made it. <laughs> yeah. I, I am here. Yeah. I'm in a post, I've got a post-production. I'm, I'm doing a fucking grade. You know, this is it. And it was just yeah. a great experience. And I've never been, I've yet to be on a conference call with a client, actually. Uh, this is a, this is a great story. So in the, in the film, there's lots of dildos and sex toys naturally. Um, 
What? And uh, yeah. <laughs> you have to watch it, of course, <laughs> naturally. Yeah, and so, so we had to get all the props sorted, you know, which was a chore. But someone had to do it, you know. I, 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 I did. I took, I, I took one for the team, and I, you know, I had to go find all those dollars and um, take one for the team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. literally. And um, we had a we had a client call, you know, just to approve all the <laughs> production before, and the directors were up, and we had this big meeting, and the client was dialing in from Ireland. And uh, we, we were going through the props, and you know it's fucking double enders, anal beads, you know all the all the shit on, <laughs> on the screen, and, and it was a surreal moment. Spurge was looking at me like a little kid, you know, he's like, you know, and I, I was laughing. And then the client goes, you know, in Irish accent, I can't, I sound Jamaican when I do Irish accents, but um, he was like, <laughs> he was like, um, you know, we need more dildos in there. I think, don't you think they're lots? We need some more dildos. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I want a big one, and I was like, I was like, this is probably a career-defining moment. I don't think this will ever happen again. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a sweet, uh, sweet project. And um, you know, we we did a whole social campaign, which was great. I was doing memes, and it was just you know, brilliant first job. What are what are the odds? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, some of, you know that defines a big idea, doesn't it? If it, you know it's a good idea, when it kind of generates all these other you know these other things memes whatever yeah yeah exactly you know good. yeah and we had um we, we were doing oh god my web history must have been fucking outrageous because i, I, was, <laughs> I, I was doing research on grinder and uh and tinder <laughs> yeah i was searching up weird yeah. sex um diseases it was yeah. it was brilliant so um yeah I, Honestly, uh, what a time! What a time to be alive in healthcare. I mean, and what a start! What a start, though. I mean, you know, you've you've made a huge move with your whole family. You've come over into a, a brand new industry, almost, with to an agency that you've never really didn't really know too much about. And the first thing you get to work on is is probably one of the biggest and best campaigns in their history so far, and most memorable because I mean, you know, I can't think of any any healthcare campaign that has got as many sex toys or dildos in it and and you're all i mean that's memorable isn't it i mean i can't imagine there's going to be one coming soon so, um, so, oh, yeah sorry oh god here we go yeah that's your mind not my mind but uh yeah so okay so how long so what how long did that take about three four months to get out the door yeah that took about um took about three months we were, we were in pre-production stage already within the second month um and shooting um yeah it was so quick and again you know and you you mentioned you mentioned julia who so julia was a copywriter at langland or so so okay i was paired with julia uh, when i first landed um as i think i was a midway uh, art director and um julia jerem who is now freelancing actually so if anyone needs a a a solid writer uh, hook julia up um I, I forgot the name of her website, but um, yeah, she's doing freelance writing, um, and and she was great. You know, I worked with her for uh, you know, I think about six or seven months in total, um, and then I, I got moved to a different writer. Um, my my wife, husband, uh, my my work husband, uh, Michael Pogson, um, who is probably going to listen listening to this um, and and quivering. What am I going to say about him? Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I worked with Mike for. For the rest of my time at Langland, which was great. Um, Mike is a Mike is a legend. And so, what was the next? So, what was the next brief after that? Because obviously, you you probably the new superstar of the agency. Yeah. And uh, then, what happens? Yeah, so I, I think I, I think you're right. Everyone kind of looked at me and they were like, 
Oh, that's, he's had he's had enough fun now. Let's give him some of the let's give him some of the bread and butter shit because uh, what what followed that was you know a heap of you know prescribing information, burdened fucking e detail aids, um, <laughs> you know the hard work and stuff. <laughs> it was yeah. to pay for my sins, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I spent a lot of, a lot of time on um, on some Bayer work um, and. I, you know, that's the thing that it was all learning because it was my first um, uh, first time I've dabbled in, in real, you know, proper farmer work. Um, and it was quite a shock, you know. It was like, uh, you know, you, you, you spoke about it the other day, Shahid, with, which was the industry, the, the, the level of farmer work, you know, was, wasn't good. And people around me were always like, oh, but that's good. You know, that's really good for pharma if you get that through. And it was like, yeah, but it's not very, it's not very good, good. You know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit average. And um, it was a good learning experience because you kind of, you can see where the cracks are and where the opportunities are, you know, um, you, you can see the type of work that's never going to make it. But actually, if you do it like this, maybe the client will buy it. Or if you, you, you've got to make sure that your creative work you know, it can be as flippant or as irreverent as 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 you as you like, but if it's not backed backed by a solid scientific data, you know, point, the client is not going to buy it. So you need to make sure that your work is bulletproof. And I, I learned that working with Mike, you know, because Mike was a fantastic medical medical uh, medically trained writer. Um, he's a doctor as well, um, Ryan, and um, but he was also extremely creative. I I, I like the sound of him. he's all right yeah (laughs) and um yeah you know but but mike was fantastic because he could speak client language you know and without him i wouldn't have any of the work sold because you know i was i was up in the sky going you know and we can have fucking this and that oh brilliant and the clients kind of looking at me like what is this guy saying you know and and mike just brought it back down to reality well okay well it's an interesting point because uh, I was reading an interview uh, that you did <clears throat> not that long ago, Tim, um, and you mentioned uh, the importance of finding your Sean Connery, and I think that probably relates to what you're talking about. So uh, talk, talk us through that. Yeah, that's not the name of a dildo, is it? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's such a bad joke. Oh, Dad joke. Sorry. Uh, I, I appreciate that, that joke. Ed- editors, cut that out. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that is just, I don't know if whoever has seen that movie Entrapment with um, Catherine Zeta Jones, where she's kind of navigating her, her body like a worm through the, in between all the, the lasers in that room. And, um, I remember thinking about that movie and being like, this is exactly what it's like to be in pharma because you spend your day wiggling around all these fucking, you know, you, know, t- you, you, you can't say this, you can't do that. So you're literally dodging, you know, you, you're kind of slithering your way through. And um, I think I wrote in that article that you, you need to find your Sean Connery because you need that person who's going to stand on the side and, and tell you where exactly those lasers are and how to dodge them. And yeah. you know, do you think, do you think you've, you've, you know, channeled your Sean Connery now. Do you think? Do you think it worked out what it is that it takes to to be Sean Connery? Yes. Um. <laughs> 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 Jamaican Sean Connery. Then um, no, I, you know, I'm still learning. You still have to learn. Um, you know, sometimes you can become you 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 
you know, as a creative, I guess you, you're passionate. So I, I'm still working on honing, honing my um, calming skills because I, you know, I can get quite, I get quite defensive of the work. Whereas I think you need to rise above it all and 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 be that guiding light for your creative teams because ultimately that they they caught in the in the in the brown waters below you know trying to navigate this this crazy brainstorm and trying to find the ideas so you do need to rise above it all so i i'm working on it i'm getting there it's really interesting where we are so far because you've gone from boom time boomtown to best of burke back to boomtown and they're they're both independent agencies. You've now moved to another independent agency with 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 Langland. I mean, did it was that was that was that spirit of independency and freedom still there? Or when when you were at Langland, did you ever think, you know what, I'm kind of I've done this amazing sniffers campaign. I I'm I'm not really finding any of this detail aid stuff that interesting. Maybe I'll just see what else is around in consumer in consumer agencies. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's always that sense, you know. Oh, after working in healthcare for a while, you kind of, you you know, you, it's difficult to see the the wood from the trees because opportunities like that don't come around that often. So what I learned then is if I'm going to stay in this industry, you need to find the opportunities in the branded farmer work because at the end of the day, that's the stuff that's paying for the agency. You know, that's the bread and butter work. But there's 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 potential there to do something better. So if I'm going to stay, I'm going to focus on that section of, of, of the business because that's where the most, um, that's where the biggest struggle is, but also the biggest reward, you know. And um, I was looking at consumer work at the time and, you know, all my all my friends are from consumer agencies and, you know, they're always talking about, oh, I did this ad for, you know, KFC in South Africa or Nando's or, you know, and, and it's, it's fun and it's great and it's, you know, you can do some funny things, but it kind of becomes a bit pointless though. I think, you know, sometimes I look at the work and I'm like, yeah, you know that's yeah that's all right you know whereas we're in in healthcare there's a higher sense of purpose or um you're working on it, it just feels more serious and i and i like that i like that contrast between the the sort of the craziness of creativity and the, the seriousness of science you know and i think that's that's what excites me is those two worlds and trying to you know one foot in in, in both i think if i was let loose on a on a con- typical consumer brief again, you know, I don't think I'd be as satisfied to be honest. Do you think it's got anything to do with where you were brought up? Cause you know, you, you sort of moved around parts of South Africa, but and, and I'm, I'm just imagining, cause I've been to South Africa a couple of times where you do witness, you know, vast amounts of poverty on a, on a day-to-day basis. Do you think there was an element of that that has sort of driven you towards um, healthcare, where essentially you are helping people in, in in your own little way, in terms of you know pushing out products that you know can change people's lives. Do you think there's an element of that in terms of why you would never go back and do a KFC campaign? Yeah, I, I think that I think you're spot on. Actually, South, South Africa is a you know it's a it's a country of extremes. It's extremely beautiful. The people are extremely great, but you know there's an extreme lack of resources. Uh, people are poor. People are desperate. So there's a lot of crime. You grow up, you know, always looking over your shoulder because you know something could happen. Um, you know, close friends of mine, lots of them have died. You know, or loved ones have been, you know, hijacked or shot or knifed or you know. So God. it's a you know it's a it's a tough it's a tough place. You know, and you and you you learn to 
you, you, you kind of just accept it. And only, only since moving to England when I was in Windsor and I didn't have to look over my shoulder, you know, no one's going to stab me in Windsor, you know, well, hopefully. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was only... Maybe very, a soldier, but it's about it. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, guard, true, yeah. True, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when I'm peeking through the Queen's window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's only when, when I got to England that I kind of, that it hit me, the, the, the complete contrast of, uh, of, of the, the two places. And healthcare is it's always the, the it's always been the, the the place where i found the most um gratification you know or justification for doing creative work you know i, I felt very unfulfilled in 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 consumer and, I, and maybe maybe that is it maybe it's you know i'm i'm used to this tough tough world and you know if if we can do something that makes it a little bit better uh, yeah you know, that's great but so but so having said that Having said that, Tim, do you do you find that there is a difference in the agency culture between you know what you were used to in South Africa and what you, you know? Oh God, yeah, now? yeah, completely. Um, so you know, South Africa. The one thing I miss about South Africa is the diversity. You know, uh, agencies that I worked in, you know, were just filled with people from just completely different backgrounds, and I, you know, I miss that. I miss the. The, the different cultures, the different um, the different chats, the different um, you know com- compared to England, which you know it's quite it's quite safe and every, you know it's, everyone's really formal and polite and it, you know it is different. So South Africa is a little bit a little bit more wild, you know, in terms of like you know people shouting at each other and you know I, I, <laughs> I kind of like that, you know. Um, so that yeah, there is a massive um, massive difference. But I t- I take all of that though, you know, like. Again, only once I've been in the UK and working on stuff, you know, I'm quite a, I only realized recently, you know, I'm quite a, I like colorful things, you know, I like, um, in my work, this is, you know, I like humor. I like, I like, you know, doing things that are a little bit more exciting than, than just the, the dull sort of, this is a doctor smiling at his patient and, you know, all is well, you know, because, <laughs> because I come from that background where, you know, things are tough so you have to you know you have to use humor and those are the those are the outlets you know that's how you get over that's that's how you get over your circumstances if you if you you make lots of them you know and and it's the same in australia you know i love australian ads because i think there's a massive sense of um you know the humor in 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 those in those campaigns is just it's so culturally specific you know I, i love that and i think that's something that the, U- the UK humor is very different, um, and I'm still trying to, you know, even with the sniffers campaign, a few, you know, a few of my gags in 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 one of the original scripts, you know, they just wouldn't fly, you know, in in, in the UK market. It, it was just kind of, yeah, well, just little, really? it's little nuances. Because yeah. I would, I would, I mean, the UK tend to be pretty, you know, UK, the humor there tends to be pretty irreverent, from what I can tell. You know, as opposed to you know, I, th- I think it was when we were talking to Ollie, when he said that the US is the is, is the place where that sort of stuff doesn't fly. But I would have thought, you know, I would have thought that was fine in the, in the yeah. Well, I guess maybe just uh, maybe just those gags were maybe a bit too much, <laughs> so I had to turn them down a bit, <laughs> a bit too wild. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like yeah, everyone's, like, everyone's like, "All right, Tim, right. you got okay. your dildos. Right. You know, calm, <laughs> calm down. We're not going to have that in there now." You know, <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, okay, just dildos. Just That's cool. Okay, I mean that it all—it's all starting to make a clearer picture, I guess, of um, 
so far, I guess, of, of how how and why and what you've been up to. So you're you're so you're at Langler now, and um, so you from sniffers, you're now sort of getting into the the more of the hardcore everyday everyday work at Pharma. You've switched over to a, a new copywriter, Michael, who you're getting on really well with, and he's teaching you and helping you get a lot of work out. What's the next thing that you got out of Langler that you are particularly proud of well um the, the next campaign was was great actually it was um we we got approached by a um health the client was called healthcare at home um and they yeah they basically they run a well as the name says um on the tin um they run a healthcare service at home so patients in long term with long term or, or terminal illnesses um can have the comfort of treatment in their home which is i mean great service you know um and they came to us and they said oh we need a new logo so we're like, yeah, that's nice. You know, you can do a logo, but, you know, there's potential to do more. Um, so me and Mike uh, worked on coming up with a, like a complete new identity for them. Um, and that followed a, a series of print and um, film campaigns, which which were really, really sensitive. And this was kind of a shift, you know, instead of the humor-based stuff, this was more, this is real, you know, getting cutting to the core of what, uh, you know, some of the emotional side of, of, of healthcare. And basically the campaign was, um, you know, we all, f we all feel better at home, you know, so rather, rather, you know, have healthcare at home instead of, you know, no one, no one enjoys the taste of hospital food or all that shit. So, um, yeah. so we were just appealing to that feeling of when you're ill, you know, when, 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 when you're not feeling your best or you're feeling down, there's only one place you want to be and that's home. Um, so we, we did a lovely series of print campaign. You know, we shot them with the great photographer Laura Panic, um, and Mike and I worked on worked on that for ages, and, and they turned out lovely. And th those actually those won at Cannes as well, which was a massive surprise. Um, they we I think we won like three silvers and a, and a, two bronzes. You know, it was mm. it was quite for the full campaign. You know, full integrated campaign, and um, and that was great. You know, because that work and the sniffer stuff all kind of helped Langland win. Um, healthcare agency of the year at Cannes, which was which was great because when I first saw them, they were winning it. Uh, you know, they were on stage collecting that trophy, and I was like, so I was sitting in the crowd, and I was like, oh, I'd love to be part of that. You know, next year, and you know, <laughs> and we did. So that was a really great moment. It's amazing, and, and that healthcare um, at homework is is really beautiful. And I remember watching the films and the case studies, and it was, I mean. A total contrast from Sniffers, as you say. It was. It's all. It almost feels like you know when you went into Langland as your as your first you know, week or so, and you've got this amazing campaign. It was very funny, very sexual, very different. You know, really pushed the boundaries of healthcare. And it and this sort of period of Langland, from what I can gather, it almost felt like you were growing up. I guess, yeah, yeah. and you were sort of, you know, it, it, it felt like, um, and Langlin is a very grown up place. It, I mean, it, it almost felt like you were in a network a lot of the times more so than an independent agency. And I didn't mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, in a positive way where it was very professional, you know, everything about it is professional. And I suppose healthcare at home is almost a nice pivot in terms of your, your sort of you know, you coming through pharma and seeing what you can do with it, and it was it was a beautiful piece. And I I, I don't you, you you definitely won't know this, but um, I know somebody. I think it was one of I think it was my MD at the time, and they had seen it. Um, your campaign. They were watching it in a in a presentation that somebody else was giving in publicist, and they said they actually cried, and they came out and told me oh, and wow. said, "Oh, you see this healthcare at home." homework and I was like I have seen it yeah and they were like it made me cry wow. and I was like well 
that's amazing isn't it i mean if you can do that i mean i'm just telling you this as you know as you, as you're sort of chatting about mm-hmm. it but um it was it was a beautiful piece of work and i think um you know it's grown up work done really really well and you, you there's a huge amount of craft and love and care gone into that and you can i, I do you know what well, i remember when i saw it for the first time i knew it came from langland i didn't even have to know <laughs> what the credits were yeah. i just knew it was from langland because it just had that level of craft and langland do have a, a certain style about their work yeah. you know it, it's sort of you could just tell and um i mean that's a, so that was that was that year two? Was that in your second year? Or was that still in the first year? So that was in the in the, the first few months of the second year. So I think okay. twenty fifteen. Okay. I think that was. Um, and yeah, I mean, just to go back on your point, you know, I think Langland did it. It kind of forced me to grow up quickly, and and I, you know, what what I took from Langland was that sense of complete um, seriousness, actually, in 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 what we're doing, because you know, we, we're not we're not making a you know. A campaign for beer ads or you know this is this is serious stuff and it's got it's got a real um power to it you know and and andrew was a master of that you know channeling those emotions whether it's humor or um you know or you know, sadness or you know playing on some sort of you know, emotional um standpoint you know healthcare at home was was a massive learning curve because you know it was we we went out and we interviewed that guy you know the guy in the film nick who you had stomach, stomach mm. cancer who passed away sadly shortly after that film, and it was like, you know, wow, we were the last people, you know, to record this. And his family have these takes as a reminder of, you know, how he was. And he, you know, he was a he was a fantastic guy. You know, he he was very funny, and you know, and uh, so that campaign for me is will always have a special place in my heart because it, it just it touched me on so many levels, you know, um, and mm. and it made me mature you know and and langland was a oh langland was you know pro- everything was super professional you know they were the you know, joe and phil were they had that place you know it was pristine and kind of you know and, and no one knows this deal but I, as a creative rebel um i, I kind of I, I didn't enjoy you know they, they had the, the system she i don't know if i had it with you but they had this woman who would go and um keep drawing the window blinds to a certain level um, <laughs> and um, yeah. and um, yeah. it was so fuck. It used to freak me out, you know, because it, it was in the brainstorming room, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So every time, so some days I would just walk around the agency, just moving the fucking window blinds into yeah. odd levels because it just freaked me out a bit. But <laughs> to try and rebel the system, but um, so you know, you do learn from that sort of um, that approach, and, and it did it did change me, I guess. Do you have it? Do you have a? Do you have a particular campaign that you think you know that was that was the one? Uh, I don't know whether you know whether it was because it was the most difficult to get through, or mm. or because of the impact it had, or or yeah. whatever. The, yeah. It was kind of your you know your baby. Yeah, actually, I I think my my, my favorite campaign is the first one that won um, at Cannes for uh, for for Boomtown and and at, at the Clear Awards because actually it was the Clear Awards that won first. It was the Stethoscope Radio campaign, and um, yep. just for the sole reason because you know me and Gary and and Andrew we we worked our asses off you know and seeing when we entered it we had the, the agency didn't even have an, an awards budget you know I think Gary and Gary and I we paid for it ourselves. We were like oh please we need to enter it you know we we, we entered one entry into Clear Health and it picked up a silver and that moment of we are this small little agency in the middle of nowhere and we can do it. <laughs> you know, creativity can 
fucking you know a, a good idea doesn't discriminate you know where you are where yeah. you come from it it's just a great reward and i remember the, the funniest thing was looking at that winners list and it was like mccann london you know ogilvy <laughs> dubai uh, mccann new york and then boom time port elizabeth <laughs> and i fucking love that <laughs> amazing just amazing so so talk to us about um Langland to Havas. How did that all work out? How did that happen? Um, so, okay, so I was at Langland, and um, for those of you who don't know, most of my family, for some reason, Lord only knows why, um, most of my family actually live from my dad's side, live up up north, um, in the northwest, um, Liverpool, um, the Wirral. I don't even know the Wirral. Um, so I was kind of, we were in Windsor on our own. You know, obviously we had the Queen, Queen over for tea a few days, but other than that, it, it was just me, my wife, and my son. And there's only so many times you can go to Windsor Castle and walk around on the weekend, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so we were yeah. we were getting a bit bored of the um, of the beauty of it. So we thought, you know, I, I wanted to move up north and be near my brother and my sister and you know my aunts and uncles and grands and whatever. So we moved up north, um, and also for the price of my one bedroom flat in Windsor, I could get a three bedroom house in <laughs> in the north. I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> And you could buy half of Manchester. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so we, yeah. we move up. So we live at the moment. We live um, in on, in the Wirral. It's um, near Wales. So we overlook. There's a bit of a beach, and you overlook and can see the Wales. You know, oh, it's wow. pretty pretty. And you know, I think having the beach nearby has kind of stopped me from feeling homesick. You know, I, ta- yeah. I take the dog for walks, and you know, it kind of reminds me of being in Cape Town. So that's that's been a massive help. Um, because the weather is a bit shit in England <laughs> compared to what I'm used to. So, um, mm. but anyway, so so we moved up. We moved up north, um, and it was so funny. Oh my god, I'll never forget this. We were in a pub in Liverpool, me and my brother, and um, this this guy said, "Oh, you know, where you, where are you from, lad? You know, where you in his proper Scouse <laughs> accent." And um, <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, we we from South Africa, but we live we live here now." And he goes, "Oh, th- does that make you Scouse African?" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was fucking brilliant. So, <laughs> scarce African. So, so basically, that's what we are. We scarce Africans living up north. Um, and when I was here, we I actually I freelanced for a little bit um, and just kind of finding my feet. And it was great, great experience. I was freelancing for McCann Health in London with Aid and the team. So I was you know commuting up and down, um, and that was great. In fact, you know we we did some great work there. Um, Oh, so you just you just you quit Langland without having anywhere to go to? No, so so I, I came up and I I was working at um, TBWA Manchester in um, oh I see yeah, for just for a t- tiny stint, which wasn't great. It was consumer, and I was like, no, nah, not for me, thanks. Um, right. I just went freelance, and um, it was it was a great experience because you you kind of learn. Oh, in fact, maybe it is important to do timesheets, you know, <laughs> because if I don't, I don't get paid. And uh, you right. know, and in terms of growing up you grow up quickly when you freelance and um and it was great and, and i freelance for havas and i was there for about two weeks and um tom Rip- is this havas links, yes, havas, havas havas links. links. Yeah, that's yeah. right yeah so right i was there for about two weeks and i walked in i remember walking in and i was like jesus this agency is huge you know in Manchester. this is crazy you know and um how big is it what at, well it's massive so at the moment there's three buildings um there's about 400 people um but when i joined really yeah, it's you would, nev- wow. you would never know. And um, it's when I joined, I think there were about 300. So, um, yeah, and, and there were just two buildings. And um, I was freelancing for, for one of the ages. So, Havas is subdivided into all these like mini, age, mini teams, you know, um, 
which which is which is a great idea because it keeps everyone kind of competitive and you know everyone kind of um you know it's really good for an internal um morale you know and um i was freelancing for this team and then tom I, I came home the one day and tom was tom gave me a call he's like oh you know i just saw great work you've been doing you know would you ever consider free um permanent role um and i was like you know i was like you know what maybe i should do it because you know it seemed like there was it was that agency was geared up, you know, had all the right things. They just weren't necessarily doing them right yet, you know, and it was like, you could just spot the, the potential, you know? And, um, so I decided, yeah, cool. Let me do it. You know, let's, um, let's join. And, uh, I joined as a creative director in God, what are we in now? 2019, 2017. So two years ago, almost to the day. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I started out as the head of a, this is funny, actually, all the teams are subdivided, like I said, and um, all the agents, and they're almost like many agencies, they function with, you know, a creative leader, um, like a sort of mini MD for that team. And um, they're all named after Mad Men characters. This is hilarious, uh, Dr. Draper on the line. Um, so obviously, <laughs> one team is... <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about versions. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the one, you know, the one, the one team is Draper, the other one is Sterling, the other one is, um, you know, all, all the characters from Mad Men, and um, and that's and, all cool. That's cool. yeah, and that's, yeah. that's great. You know, it's great. So, um, Tom on the phone says, "Oh, you know, we would love to have you on board. You're going to be creative director of the team called Cooper." And I was like, "That's an," I was like, "That's the name of my son." You know, I was like, oh, "That's fucking coincidental." You know, and. Um, Everyone, you know, the massive laugh. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I just, I had to change the name of my son to, you know, to make that gag. So um, <laughs> his name was actually Jeff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I thought. Well, well, let's feel sorry for your second, who's going to have to be called Area 23. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not, not all bad. <laughs> yeah. This is Cooper and this is FCB help. <laughs> um, you know, so, so I thought there was a, I thought there was a sign, you know, um, and, I decided to take, you know, to take the role. And uh, so I joined Team Cooper and it was a tiny little team, I think 20 something. And um, we were pitching like mad. And uh, in the first six months, we won like 11 out of the 13 pitches. We grew, ma- oh, we wow. grew massively, you know, the team was super successful, uh, you know, a lot of billings. And then that's when we started, you know, slowly getting creative work through. Um, and, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a great two years, honestly. And, you know, I've spent... I've spent it, you know, fighting the system, kind of like what you were saying, Shahid, you know, in Langdon, where you know, people get people get stuck in their ways a little bit, um, and you know, without being too without too much friction, um, nothing will change. So you you do kind of need to step in and say, oh, you know, we're going to do it like this from now on, and hopefully this will be better. Um, and it was great, you know, it was great great to um, to get my hands dirty and 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 find those opportunities. And so, so you were 28, am I correct, when you became yeah. creative director of Cooper? Is that right? I, I, and 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 yeah, yeah sorry, no, I was going to say I think I was 28 or 29. I'm not too sure. One of those. Okay, okay. So still really, really young for a, for a creative director, I guess. And and what 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 was the main difference that you found? Because you've gone from independent agencies. Um, you had a group creative director role in South Africa, you went to Langland, went back to sort of mid, midway art director. Now all of a sudden you're thrown into, I mean, 20 people is still pretty big, isn't it? Especially, oh, I think it's pretty big for, for being in the UK and you, you're pitching. I mean, did you, did you feel, you know, more responsible, more pressure? Talk to me about what, what you went through. Yeah. So it is a massive, you know, it's like being thrown in the deep end because you, 
suddenly you are dealing not just with the Havas local team, but all of a sudden you, you've got to interact and um, have feedback from the, the, the wider global uh, agency network, which, as you know, you know, can be challenging. You're working with you know, Havas uh, New York, um, Havas Milan, you know, so you have to be... You have to have an, an air of um, diplomacy about yourself because it, it can be, it, you know what it's like. Creative people are, everyone's got their own opinions and, you know, it can be, it can become a bit messy. And the, the pressure of um, dealing with those issues, you know, the higher level uh, network politics, as, as it were, um, they can detract from the creative work and doing the, doing the stuff that we love. So it was a massive learning curve, um, you know, trying to get that work through um and you know and through all the right processes you know it becomes tiring <laughs> yeah and did you enjoy it more because you all of a sudden you had a little bit more remit and control of what work went through and what work didn't get through or, or did you know or did because that was the main difference i remembered it was you know when you're working we both worked for Andrew Spurge and you know it's quite easy isn't it you're going with a few ideas you think one or two are quite good and you have someone just to go yeah that's the one go away and get it out the door i mean how, how how was that for you knowing that you had the sort of final say of what went through to the client i love that i, I that that for me is is the best part of my role because i don't know maybe i'm naive but i, I know when a good when i see a good idea you know and it's so much better for me not to be you know lost in the, in the in the brainstorms it's it's so much better for me to come in afterwards and and look you know from a sort of a, a tree height perspective down on the work and go oh you know there we go that's an opportunity let's do that or wow that's great you know carry on with that that's fantastic forget the rest you know it's, and it's having that sense of clarity and, and andrew was fantastic at that he was like he was like a fucking hawk you know he would, he would, you'd show him work, and you'd look at you, and you'd go that one, and you're like, oh, but I like this. One. No, that one's shit. That, it's that. It's that it. one. You know, <laughs> and and that's great. That's what you need. You know, you need that clarity. There's nothing worse than a creative director or creative, you know, chief creative officer or creative group head or whatever, a creative leader, to be unclear. I fucking hate that yeah. because you just waste time. Equivocal, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, or, or diplomatic yeah. because ideas aren't people. People have ideas, but it's not about if you if if you are indifferent to an idea and you're like, you know, that's not going to work. Let's forget that. You're not insulting that person who came up with it or the team. It's the you know, be harsh on the ideas, not the people, obviously. But I think that's one thing creatives need to learn is not to become so um, in love with their ideas, you know, and 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 not be put off when a, when a creative leader is um, you know is is, is ugly to their work. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think that's a great ethos, you know. Yeah. Ideas aren't people, and 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 you're right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've always, I think, I've always been a huge fan of Havas, actually. Even though they're sort of scattered all over the place, they've always they've always managed to get you know some nice work out um, over the last few years. And obviously, you you've been sort of part of that story. What what was the main sort of cultural differences because now all of a sudden you've moved from your third independent agency you've done a bit of freelance and a couple of networks but now you're in a full-time role in a proper big network I mean Havas is huge I mean I didn't realize even the health division was as big as you're, you're now saying I mean how what was that like well it was a lot of traveling um, <laughs> I spent most of my life on the airplane so 
from someone who never used to travel. Um, so suddenly I was, you know, and, and, and that's a great thing because, you know, coming from where I came from, having this ability or having this, this chance to, to go to all these different places has just been completely life-changing. You know, I've never, never in my life would I have said, Oh, I've been to New York. I've been to Paris. I've been to, you know, wherever it's just, and that's, that's what I love about my job and creativity because it can take you anywhere. Um, but have us, you know, as, as a massive network, um, the great thing about links and I guess the way that it's, it's structured with all the, the little teams, you kind of, you have the, the comfort of you feel like you have the comfort of a, of a small agency or a startup, even though you're part of this massive cog. And I think that's quite a genius thing, actually, the way that they've set that up. So it's not, it's not overwhelming. It's kind of like, it's, you know, it's a safe space, you know, creatives can be creative and you kind of, you're in this like womb almost. And, um, uh, you know, we shield, uh, you know, particularly me, I, I shield a lot of my teams from the sort of higher level politics stuff because that, you know, that can become disheartening. Um, you know, you don't want some asshole in New York telling you what to do, you know, or, you know, it can become an issue. Uh, but keeping the team safe from that is, is, is great. And I think that's, that's a crucial part of, of, um, of the way we've run things that have us and, and, and to get work through, because you know what it's like, the less people you have involved, the better the work, simple. So <laughs> keep it. So the, the, I spent the first year like a fucking ninja, you know, like a wizard covering every, covering all my, all my work. No one could see it, you know, while it was incubating. Everyone back off. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. was kind of like keeping it away from everyone, but, you know, keeping it safe. But you need to do that, you know, because um, big, big agencies um, can sometimes have big issues with that sort of stuff. You know, no one wants that stuff yeah. involved at the work. And it almost sounds from what you're saying that Havas was a really a great opportunity for you to experience that in, a, as you say, as a safe space because it sort of feels small, but it's big. But, um, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, it's a completely different role, isn't it, from just taking a brief, yeah. doing it yourself presenting it and, and having someone to protect you but, but the protecting bit and the nurturing bit and the presentation bit and dealing with the politics bit is a completely different skill set and it's it's actually very very for my from what I've observed over my career it's very difficult to find like if you want to call them a thoroughbred creatives which I would say you certainly are from the portfolio of work that you've done a pure thoroughbred ideas you know creative person who can then make that transition into a into a creative leader I'm, I, won't, I won't use the word manager because i mean it's you know it's, i'd be calling you a wanker if i called you a manager because you know i don't think good creative directors are good managers they're just great leaders they're great at inspiring their teams and they're good at inspiring people to come on that journey with them and it sounds like you've clearly you clearly are one of those people you're one of those unicorns who can just bridge those two worlds and you know i've seen people who are over my career who are incredible creatives who just go into that creative director role and they're just not very good because they just can't get their head around the work or the briefs not being about going to them and and trying to protect people and dealing with the politics and it's generally the other way isn't it where the, the sort of quite average creatives end up being the best creative directors because they're quite good at dealing with with the with the stuff yeah. that no one else wants to deal yeah. with and 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 letting the creatives thrive and um you know i congratulate you because you certainly are one of those rare beings who've bridged those two worlds so 
that's what I can conclude from from this experience with Havas. Um, Thanks, Shahida. Checking the post again. Yeah, you can post me about those biscuits. Um, so, so let's get to the the bit that I really want to find out about because this is this is the sort of most recent bit, I guess. Um, is how do you, how did you how did you go from Havas to to Area Twenty Three? When when we won at Cannes, which was you know completely out of the blue, you know, Havas had never won a sort of major international award before. So when when we got shortlisted, we were like, oh my god, oh my god, you know, please God, please, you know, we just want one, even if it's a bronze, you know, we just wanted. <laughs> so we were like, you know, we were the massive underdogs, and you know, lo and behold, for some you know alignment of stars, you know, we won Agency of the Year, which which was you know, out of this world. And that kind of put us on the map. Um, and I guess as a consequence of that, you know, once you're in the limelight, people start looking. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I know Tim, Tim Hawkey um, from Area 23 for quite a few years. You know, he's, he is probably, you know, he is on a massive drive to improve this industry. And, um, you know, the testament and kudos to him and, and, and the team because they have just absolutely – you know, they've evolved so much from this that first year when, you know, they had all those entries and they didn't win to coming back even stronger and stronger. You know, every year they just, you look at their work, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, it's one of those ones yeah. like, come on, fucking, and give us a chance. We, 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 you know, we, we sort of climbing up this ladder and they fucking, you know, they're way up there. And, um, and that's just because Tim has invested in getting good creative people from across the world, you know, a lot of, a lot of massive, massive amount of talent in that agency and, um, and yeah. giving them free reign. And um, the work is a testament to that. And, uh, and they work hard, you know, they, they, they want to do good work. So that's alluring, you know, that's, that's really appealing to me. Um, so, so when Tim and, and the agency got in touch, um, I was like, you know, this was a no brainer. First of all, it's New York. I mean, I've never heard of New York as a, as a, place to live you know it's like oh what's, where, where's that you know is that port elizabeth and uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was you know it was I, could, I just couldn't turn the opportunity down you know um it was just i think i got blinded by the big lights and 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 the opportunity again you know there's a key word yeah so yeah you're right i mean area 23 uh i'd say right now the, the number one agency within our industry undoubtedly um so and tim tim hawkey's is, is is incredible and his whole team i met elliot um last year at the globals and he's he's so funny he's he's great he's, he's a great yeah great talent <laughs> um uh but but so did they approach you at, at Cannes, or did they approach you when you when you got back to back home so it's kind of a weird it's, it's kind of been a roundabout way so I've, I've been in touch with tim for for years yeah even in my langland days actually after the sniffers campaign he was you know sniffing around uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um you know i was like it just wasn't the right time and and then i went to have us and i was you know i, I kind of felt like i needed to prove myself in, in, in the yeah. creative director role first um and it was actually it was at in vegas so i was judging the london international awards with um with a great jury and in the jury room was Bernardo uh, Romero from, and he's from area 20, well, he was from area 23. And um, he came up to me and he's like, you know, would you ever consider you know, moving to New York? And, and he kind of opened the, the discussion again. And then I, I got in touch with Tim and it's just, you know, it just happened. Um, and it just feels like the, now is the time, you know? Um, 
And so what happens? So so you you having a chat with Tim and there's, you know, obviously a little bit of come over here and and, and you could come and work at every twenty three. Do they do they fly you over for an interview? Do they Skype you in? Is or is it just done on email and it's they send you a contract and you know, that's it done. How, how does it actually work? <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit of everything actually. So, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to, you know, when I'm at Cannes, uh, you know, I get to meet and hang out with these people. So it's kind of, you know, they, they knew who I was and, and I knew who they were. Um, so there, there wasn't really a need for, uh, for the formality of, of, you know, in, in agency interviews. And I guess the kind of work that I was doing, they they knew about you know so I didn't have to showcase anything which was you know really advantageous position to be in so um it was kind of it was just quick it was you know do you want to come and join us oh that'll be great thanks mate yeah how much oh yeah whatever just opportunity yeah cool okay done you know and <laughs> it was really quick it was a no-brainer you know? as quick as that it's yeah, amazing yeah I, you know I think it's all recorded on a on a, on a LinkedIn chat at about 4 a.m um <laughs> So, wow. no, you know, obviously, then I've been through the the HR process, you know, with the team, and and they sorting out my, my visas and all that nonsense. Um, so, other than that, it's been a relatively easy um, decision and um, and and offer to accept. Um, now, now comes the challenge of of uprooting the family again. God, my wife, my wife is going to leave me. She she must be fucking <laughs> absolutely fed up. She's like, oh god, here we go, here we go, pack the stuff again. <laughs> You know, so and, and the poor dog. Oh, my dog is gonna. Oh, I feel so for your dog. Yeah, it's <laughs> Molly. Yeah, oh, I know. So, so, when do you actually leave? Like, when when are you actually leaving the country to go to go over? So, um, I'm hoping um, it will be the end of February. Um, so, my role at Harvest is coming to an an end pretty soon. Um, I've just been working in my notice period, um, and. Soon after that, as soon as I get the A OK from uh, Donald Trump, yeah, which may which may never happen. Actually, he may he may find out that I'm a one twenty eighth Mexican or some shit, and then you know <laughs> kick me out. <laughs> um, God, I hope he's not listening to this. But I'm sure he won't. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he is. Uh, he's undoubtedly listening to this. It's either CNN or this podcast. Oh, yeah, true, but... true, true, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, fake news. Fake yeah. news. Um, Anyway, so exactly. so yeah, so, so pretty pretty soon, um, you know, within the next. Month. How did they take it? How did they take it when uh, you told them? Uh, that's a that's a podcast series in its 